Ruckus Avenue Radio. Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Aesthetic Soundwaves. I am your host, Glass. Thank you for the tune-ins, everyone, everywhere. Much appreciated. I have been absent for some time now. I will be back with that in a second, but I need to give my shout-outs. Not much talking time today, and I need to get into the very special episode I got planned for you. So, Ruckus Avenue Radio and Dash Radio, obviously. Thank you for the sponsorship and association. Folks, go check them out at ruckusavenueradio.com. That's ruckus, spelled R-U-K-U-S. And, of course, the one and only Dilla's Delights, like always, who have been there supporting me from way back now. And much love and respect to the whole crew, obviously, Yancey family, Ma Dukes, Uncle Herm, and, of course, the one and only Dilla, folks. And, you know, we're going to get into that later, hence the title. But, okay, let me get into the other country uh, or not country, but the other shout-outs. So, I've been gone since November, it's, it's said. So, kind of built up on this one. But Australia, Greece, India, Indonesia, South Korea, Philippines, Texas, New York, Massachusetts, California, New Jersey, Michigan, and like always, City of Detroit, thank you so much for just the love and respect that I get you know, here in the state of Michigan, too, and around the world. Thank you to everyone. It really means a lot. So, as I said, very brief talk for me today, says in my notes. <laughs> but, in short, balancing a few jobs and also, you know how I do it, AS style. But in between all that, I end up getting COVID. Yeah, so that kind of knocked me for a bit, <laughs> to be honest with you folks. And I'm still recovering it's been i'm on 18th day i'm on recovery but there are the the long-term effects that there's some side effects that come from this so learning how to deal with this anyway folks please be safe out there take care of yourselves okay first and foremost and that is that for the moment i'm going to get into this though so today i'm going back to an old radio drama for you guys I'm going to be playing Sherlock Holmes, and this is the title of the episode. This comes off a record set I have, and it's entitled The Manor House. It comes off a three-record set made back in the day, but it, was, it comes off Sherlock Holmes' Tales from Baker Street. It was recorded on October fifteenth, 1945, and it was distributed by Murray Hill Records. It's winter time and most people are in and a lot of people are in trying to get better and what not then play old radio drama and something cool and or interesting, right? So, don't worry, I got you today. Folks, let's get into this. Sherlock Holmes, The Manor House. I will be back with you in a second. This episode from the life of Sherlock Holmes will be transmitted to our men and women overseas by short wave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Petri Wine brings you Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. <laughs> 
in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invites you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And I sure wish you could listen to this story with a glass of Petri California Port right at your elbow. Petri Port. That's the wine that's perfect after dinner when you're just taking things easy. And say, if you've never tried Petri Port, if you've never tasted that wonderful, rich red wine, well, this is the week to do it. I'll tell you why. This is National Wine Week, sort of a celebration we're having to mark the return to good living. Your wine merchant is kind of rolling out the red plush carpet this week, and among other things, he wants to prove to you that you just couldn't ask for a more delicious wine than Petri wine. Why don't you take him up on it? And begin by becoming acquainted with Petri Port. You'll really love it, and so will your guests. And say, you can serve Petri Port proudly, because after all, the name Petri is the proudest name in the history of American wine. That's a fact. Here's the patio of Dr. Watson's Northern California bungalow, but where's the doctor? Here I am, Mr. Bartell, out here in the garden. Okay, I'll be right there. Oh, sitting by the fish pond, huh, Doctor? Yes, my boy, it's rather pleasant out here for a change. Has it ever occurred to you how stupid the expression of a goldfish is, Mr. Bartell? <laughs> I can't say I've ever given it much thought, Doctor. Why? Oh, well, look at this foolish little fellow here with his silly little mouth opening and closing as though he were being constantly astonished. <laughs> what is this? I thought you were a fish lover. Yes, I am, but as I was brooding over tonight's story, that little goldfish seemed to be making faces at me as though it were trying to remind me of how my face must have looked on a certain June evening in 1890. It sounds to me as if you're going to tell a story against yourself, Doctor. I'm, I am, young fellow, my lad. What happened? One Sunday morning in 1890, I dropped round to visit my friend in Baker Street. Mrs. Hudson told me that he was out, but suggested that I wait in our old rooms for his return, and promised me a pot of strong tea and some buttered scones as an inducement. As I walked into the sitting room, I was astonished to see Holmes standing there, a bag in one hand and a coat in the other. What, my dear Jack, how are you? Hello, I'm fine, Holmes. I'm surprised to see you, though. Mrs. Hudson told me that you were out. I have been, Watson, on a case. Just returned by my private entrance for some, uh, some necessary apparatus. Oh, can I come with you? My wife's away now, and, uh, my practice is quite slack at the moment. Not even my trusty old friend Watson can accompany me on this case. Oh, really? This business, old fellow. Fate of two nations hangs in the balance. I must work alone. Sorry to leave you like this. Goodbye. Oh, uh, well, Mrs. Hudson's making me some tea and some buttered scones. Can't you wait and share them with me? Uh -uh. Good old Watson, you're the one fixed point in a changing age. Empires may be tottering, and you talk of tea and butter scones. Well, uh, I'm sorry about you going home, so goodbye, old man. <laughs> Don't look so sad, old fellow. Mm -hmm. When the time comes, I'll tell you all about the case, and you can write it up in your memoirs. Goodbye. Doctor. Inspector 
Dr. Lestrade is downstairs. He came to see Mr. Holmes. Mm -hmm. But when I told him he was out, the inspector said he'd like to see you. Oh, he did. I did ask him to come up, will you please, Mrs. Hudson? Aye, sir. Will you come up, please, Inspector? Uh, thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Can I butt up a few more scones, Doctor? No, 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 thank you. I, I really couldn't eat them. Oh, I'll go and make some more just the same. He'll eat them if I think. No, 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 really, no, no, I won't thank you. Ah, uh, oh, oh, there you are, Lestrade. Oh, Dr. Watson, here's a pretty kettle of fish and no mistake. Well, what's the trouble? I want Mr. Holmes' help on a most important case. Uh, where's he gone? Well, he's out on a very, um, secret matter. Well, you know where he is, Doctor? Naturally, I know where he is, Lestrade. My old friend never keeps me in the dark. But I'm not at liberty to tell you. Perhaps uh, I can, uh, can help you a bit. After all, I'm not exactly unfamiliar with my friend's methods. It's true, but uh, just the same. <laughs> oh, well, Doctor, two heads are always better than one. Even if one is a sheep's head, as my old mother used to say. Are you suggesting that I'm a sheep's head? No, I'm not suggesting anything, Doctor. I'm just telling you what my old mother used to say. I'm really not interested in what your old mother used to say. And uh, now, Lestrade, your problem, please. It's simple enough, Doctor. A German diplomat, Graf Otto von Eldenstein, his name is, is in England on a very secret mission. Uh, Graf Otto von Eldenstein. I've heard of him. Continue. Well, this von Eldenstein is staying at the manor house at Ampton Wick, not far out of London. This morning, somebody slipped past his guard and threw a bomb into his study. His secretary was killed, and he would have been too, if it hadn't been that he'd left the room a few minutes earlier. Well, these second-hand investigations are a little useless, sir. We were supposed to go down to the manor house at Hampton Wick and examine the situation on the spot. Uh, get out the timetable and look up the next train, will you? Oh, and while you're doing that, I'll go and tell Mrs. Hudson where I'm going. Well, right you are, Doctor, I was just bringing them up to you. Scones? Who can think of scones when an empire is tottering? Are you sure you're feeling quite well, Doctor? Of course I am. Now, listen, Mrs. Hudson. If Mr. Holmes should return, please tell him that I've gone to Hampton Wick with Inspector Lestrade to investigate the von Heldenstein's business. The von Heldenstein business? I, Doctor, I tell him that. Uh, Mr. Holmes didn't tell you where he was going, did he? No, Doctor, he didn't. I see. Well, uh, thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Thank you. Are you sure you don't want the scones, Doctor? Oh, uh, no. Uh, well, well, you might, might as well take them. Uh, I dare say the Strad could eat them. Ah, uh, yes, the one, Doctor. <laughs> well, I suppose this is rather exciting. Just the same. I wish I knew what Holmes was doing at this moment. You are Herr Sherlock Holmes? Yes, I presume Graf Otto von Hildenstein is expecting me. Yeah, Herr Holmes. He was so anxious that you would come here to the manor house. I left immediately after I got his summons. He's very weak. He has lost much blood from the injuries he received this morning. Injuries that no one knows about, eh? Nine, Herr Holmes. Only I, his old and faithful servant, knows. Uh, follow me, please. I will take you to him. Franz? 
Franz? Ja, Herr Graf. And with me is Herr Sherlock Holmes. Ah, thank heaven you are here, Holmes. I hope I can be of service to you, sir. Uh, you can. You can be of great service. Sit close to my bed, Holmes. I have not much strength to speak. I'm listening, Herr Graf. You, you must impersonate me. Uh, so I gathered when I received your message. I, I am in England on a most delicate and important mission for the German government. Within a few weeks, your government and mine will conclude a treaty outlining the German and British spheres of interest in Africa. I see. Obviously, that bomb was thrown this morning by someone who does not wish to see the treaty be concluded. Yeah, exactly, Herr Holmes. That is why you must impersonate me. In 24 hours' time, I should be well enough to resume my work. Uh, in the meanwhile, you can keep the secret of my injuries and also have the opportunity of finding the assassin. I'm quite prepared to undertake the impersonation, sir, but um, how can I possibly hope to deceive the members of your personal staff? Ah, uh, with the exception of Franz here, and poor Fräulein Ullmeyer, who was killed in the explosion that injured me, uh, my staff is new. Uh, they have joined me here from the mm -hmm. German consulate in London. Mm -hmm. uh, they will believe that you are me. Very well, sir. I'll try it. Mm. <laughs> I have heard of your skill in the art of disguises. And also, it seems to me, uh, we are not so unlike each other. I was about to comment on that fact myself, sir. Yes, I think that a moustache and night whiskers will work wonders. If I can make the accent reasonably convincing. I... I will coach you, my friend. Splendid. Help me off with my coat, will you, Franz? Get me some towels in the mirror. Jawohl, Herr Holmes. And while I'm applying my makeup, uh, Herr Graf, perhaps you will be so good as to give me the complete circumstances regarding this morning's attempt on your life. If I am to impersonate you successfully, I must have all the facts at my fingertips. <laughs> Amazing, Herr Holmes. Even I can hardly tell you from my master. Yes, I get the wig that puts the finishing touch to my disguise. How to look to you, Herr Graf? Ah, colossal. I feel as if I were looking into a mirror. <laughs> and my accent, you uh, find it reasonably convincing? Oh, yeah, extremely so. Uh, try it once again, Herr Holmes. Yeah, Herr Graf. It gives me the greatest pleasure to do what you ask of me. Prestig, <laughs> splendid, Herr Holmes. Lenses. A cab is drawn up at the gate. Two men are getting out. You can see them from the window here. Oh, please possibly off. Quick, Scott. It's Watson, the shark. Friends of yours, Herr Holmes. Now, one of them is a, a close friend of mine. In fact, he's my colleague. The other is a detective inspector from Scotland Yard. Oh, you must keep up the deception, even with your friends. As a matter of fact, my friend's investigations will prove an excellent mark for my own search for the assassin. But this is a delicious situation. Ah, I hope they won't recognize me. I am Graf Otto von Hildenstein, gentlemen. You wish to see me? How do you do, sir? My name is Watson, Dr. Watson, and this is Inspector Lestrade of Scotland Yard. Uh, how do you do, sir? Inspector. Dr. Watson, may I ask if I have the great distinction of addressing the Dr. Watson, friend of Sherlock Holmes? Oh, that is that you know me, Herr Graf. <laughs> but who does not know of the great Dr. Watson? 
In my country, many people think that you are the real brains of the combination. Tell me, Herr Doctor, is that true? <laughs> I, I wouldn't exactly say that, sir. <laughs> oh, good, you are. You are both come here to investigate what occurred this morning. Yes, we have, sir. Listen to the third. Sit down, please, sir. If you can find any furniture that is unbroken. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. I must say the place is a bit of a mess. And, and now, Herr Graf, please tell us exactly what happened. Yeah. I will tell you everything, Herr Doctor. This morning I was working in here with my secretary, poor Fräulein Ulmer. I had occasion to go upstairs to my room to get some necessary papers. As I came down the staircase to return here, I hear a scream from Fräulein Ulmer. Moment later, there was a most frightful explosion. The concussion stunned me. When I came to, my poor secretary was dead. Uh, uh, what people were inside the house at the time of the explosion, Herr Graf? The servants were all out of church. The only people here were my secretary who was killed, my servant Franz. I can vouch for him because he was upstairs when I went for my documents. There were three other people in the house, however. Madame Lisa Varona, my hostess and uh, the owner of this house. Young Englishman from the home office. His name is uh, Hilary Adams. The third person in the house was a member of the German embassy, Colonel Schweiger. Then it's uh, just a matter of cross-questioning the three of them as to their alibis at the time of the, of the explosion. I'll take one of them at a time, Lestrade. Ring for that servant fellow. What, what was his name? A France hair doctor. Oh, yes, yes, that's right, a France at the bulletin. It's a rare privilege to watch the master detective at work. Yes, Graf. <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised if my methods teach you quite a bit about the uh, art of detection. Dr. Watson, this is Colonel Schweiger of the Sherman Embassy. Where were you, Colonel Schweiger, when the explosion occurred this morning? I was discussing the military tactics of Clausewitz with one of the guards near the front gates. Yeah, well, what was the name of the guard, sir? Carter. Uh, Mr. Arthur Carter. Yeah, I'll, I'll check on that. Uh, thank you. Uh, Colonel Schwager, uh, please, um, please ask Madame Lisa Verona to come in. Deeper than the obvious. 
Yes, Lestrade and I shall return to London now and make some inquiries. You'll hear from me, sir, before the day is over. Obliged here, Doctor, for a very nice meal. Although we, we've been talking in circles. No, not entirely, Lestard. Anyway, I have come to one important decision. Oh, what's that, Doctor? Madame Verona is addicted to the use of drugs. The pupils of her eyes were contracted to pinpoints. It's an invariable indication of drug addiction. Uh, Lestard, you go to Scotland Yard and see what you can find out about her, and I'll go back to my house. You can meet me there later. You know that I was working on it. I'm trying to tell you now, but I implore you. Keep out of it. There are dangerous forces at work. Forces that would snuff out your life without a thought. Please believe me and do it like it. Quick one! Under the dining room table! Well, what the... You'll hear the rest of Dr. Watson's story in just a few seconds. All the time, I need to remind you that what with this being National Wine Week, if you want to take a gift to a young lady, why not take her a bottle of Petri California Muscatel? Petri Muscatel is the kind of wine you'd serve a queen. That Petri Muscatel has the flavor of plump, sun-ripened Muscat grapes. Is it ever good? You couldn't ask for a more delicious after-dinner wine or a more delicious wine to serve when company comes. Remember... It's Muscatel, but the important thing is, it's Petri. Petri Muscatel. And now back to Dr. Watson and tonight's adventure, the Manor House Case. Well, that was a fine place to break off your story, Doctor, I must say. Yes, but I thought I'd keep you in as much suspense as possible. Well, what happened next? Were you and Holmes injured when that bomb exploded? No, my boy, though the concussion of the explosion knocked me out for a few minutes. When I came to, Holmes had disappeared. I can imagine where he'd gone. Go on, Doctor. Soon after that, Lestrade arrived on the scene, and after a quick and fruitless examination of the premises, he decided to return once more to the manor house. And so, an hour later, I was telling my story to the man I still thought to be Graf Otto von Helmholtz. Oh, I was ready for it, sir. Quick thinking and presence of mind of my stock in trade, you know. When I heard the crash of the glass, I flung myself under the dining room table. Most distressed to see your 
myself to be exposed to such oh, danger. Not at all, Herr Graf, not at all. As a matter of fact, I expose myself deliberately to attack. It's an old army trick, you know, what we call drawing the enemy's power. Come now, Darcy, you don't mean to tell us that you expected to have that bomb chucked through the window, oh, you? Of course I did, Mr. Of course I did. The assassin knew that I was working on the case. He followed me to London and fell into my trap, just as I intended him to, by showing his hands. Well, I don't see what it's got you, Doctor. I myself must admit I cannot see that you are any nearer to finding the murderer. On the contrary, sir, the case is nearly solved. <laughs> don't see how you figure that one out, Doctor. Elementary, my dear Lestrade, elementary. One of the three people under suspicion followed me to my house tonight. The second bomb was thrown at approximately seven o'clock. Now, it's only a question of finding out which one of the three cannot account for his movements at that time. Then... We'll know the murderer. You want to cross-examine them again, Doctor? Yes, Lestrade. Bring them in, please. One at a time. Colonel Schweiger, where were you at 7 o'clock tonight? Discussing the military tactics of Clausewitz with Mr. Carter of the Home Office Guard. Oh, it's Clausewitz. You were doing it at 11 o'clock this morning, too. It would take many days of discussions for two students to appreciate all the subtleties of Clausewitz. Yeah, I'll check on that again, Doctor. Thanks, sir. And please ask Madame Verona to come in. Questions, questions, and still more questions. Where was I, 79, you asked me? I was listening to more babbling from that stupid young Englishman. Ask him for yourself. Mr. Adams, where were you at 7 tonight? With Madame Verona in her boudoir. There is a curious strangeness about the pattern of life in this house. Is there not, Doctor? Yeah, I kept on Colonel Schweiger's statement, if it's true. He was talking to Carter at 7 o'clock, all right. But could the uh, other two account for themselves, Doctor? Well, once again, they alibied for each other. But this time, I begin to doubt. Well, why do you say that here, Doctor? I would accept Madame Verona's alibi for young Adam. Obviously, she loathes the boy and wouldn't perjure herself for him. On the, he, on the other hand, uh, he worships her. And I'm certain that he wouldn't have any scruples about lying to provide an alibi for her. Well, you've got a point there, Doctor. Yes, I regard her with great suspicion. Yes, yes, it's come in. Uh, yes, Mr. Adam? Dr. Watson, I've been worrying about Madame Verona. I was afraid you wouldn't believe my alibi for her. Indeed? I have another, uh, an unbiased witness who can testify that Madame Verona was in this house at seven tonight. Come in, France. You avoid me to get there. France, did you see Madame Verona at seven tonight? Yeah. I picked her up two glasses of sherry. It was a few minutes before seven. Thank you, France. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Adams. I appreciate your concern. You, you may go. Hmm. Seems to me we're still traveling in circles, Doctor. On the contrary, Lestrade, the case is solved. Oh, you astonish me, Herr Doctor. Who is, who is to kill your party? You'll know in a minute, sir. Lestrade, bring the three suspects in here, please. When they are assembled, I shall give you the solution to the mystery. Well, I want to... Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the mystery is solved. I must apologize for any little inconveniences that you've undergone. You, Madame Verona, and you, Colonel Schweiger, and you, Miss Adams, have all unshakable alibis. Therefore, the solution is obvious. Uh, my dear friend Sherlock Holmes has often said, eliminate the impossible, and whatever remains, no matter how improbable, is the truth. Therefore, the only person that could have thrown both bombs is you yourself, 
Graf Otto von Helfenstein. Boy, George, I believe you're right. What did you got to say to yourself, sir? That I too have Dr. Heaven unshakable alibi. Oh, and what is it? I got this you have document a second form was thrown tonight. What on earth are you talking about, sir? I was alone. Oh, come now, Othello, that's not true. Holmes! Holmes! How, how could you? Mr. Holmes! Shot me. Oh, me. don't be angry with me, old chap. Oh, you will complete. Not at all, well, not at all. You're right. But you've got to be a solution to the case, as usual, Mr. Yes, that's what I have. Well, that's it, then. Might as well show me up for the ass today. You're one too stop berating yourself. You already have the case very well. You made only one mistake. May I revise the dictum of mine, which you just quoted? Eliminate the possible, and then, if nothing remains, some part of the impossible must be possible. Which part? Colonel Schweiger's alibi is valid. There was Madame Barona, since it was corroborated by the trusty front. But what does your alibi rest on, Mr. Adams? Madame Barona has told you I was here at seven. Yes, but Madame Barona is addicted to the use of drugs. I'm sure that you spotted that back once. Yes, yes, I did. Your mistake was in not drawing the correct conclusion. Mr. Adams' alibi depends on the unsupported word of a drug addict. Now, the use of drugs notoriously destroys, first of all, the sense of time. Any tricks such as the resetting of clocks could be worked on her without noticing. Her word on the time alibi is completely valueless. Then Adams is the man who... Metters, why don't... That's right, Mr. that's right. Don't let him get away. He's a murderer and a traitor. We're back in Baker Street, Watson. I may as well tell you that I had my suspicions of Adams from the first. Oh, you did? Why? Well, my brother Mycroft had told me that he was suspected of being a traitor at heart. He's been under observation for some years. He was purposely given this assignment as a definite test of his integrity. Well, I understand it all now, Holmes. Just the same, I did make an ass of myself in front of Miss Trial. Oh, too. don't worry about it, old oh, chap. Mm. You can always correct the impression. Yours will be the last word. Oh, well, I, I mean. Well, when you come to write this story in your memoirs, my dear fellow. You can always do a little, uh, what do you say, uh, re-editing of your own part? Posterity need never know. Doctor, that was really a swell story. Oh, and yet you like it sort of made me out to be a bit of a fool, though, eh? Oh, nothing of the kind, Doctor. I agree with Holmes. You did a splendid job. After all, you did line up his suspects for him, didn't you? Ah, uh, please, come, come to think of it, I did, didn't I? And you did make the point that Madame Verona was a drug addict. Yes, so I did. And you did say that Mr. Adams' alibi could be a lie. Oh, sure, sure, you're right, I did. I did solve that case for Holmes after all. Mr. Bartell, did anyone ever tell you that you were really a very smart young fellow? I wish you and I could work together on a, a case together. Well, we can, starting tonight. No, re really? Sure, in celebration of National Wine Week. I brought you a case of Petri wine. Mm. And I suggest that we start on it right now with a glass of port. <laughs> what a fellow. <laughs> and what a wine. Petri wine. You know, that's really good because the Petri family has been making fine wines since the 1800s. For generations, ever since they started the Petri business, the Petri family has been turning luscious California grapes into fragrant, delicious wine. And during all that time, they've been handing on down from father to son, from father to son, all their skill and knowledge and experience. The Petri wine you buy today is the result of all that skill and knowledge and experience. That's why you can't go wrong when you choose a Petri wine, because Petri took time to bring you good wine. And now, Dr. Watson, what's the prescription for next week? Sir? Well, now, next week, Mr. Bartell, I think I can promise you a most entertaining adventure. It concerns a famous magician 
a female spy of unusual beauty, and a man even more brilliant than Holmes himself. His older brother, Mycroft. Sounds terrific, Doctor. And before we say goodnight to our friends, I want to remind them that our men overseas need the Merchant Marine to bring them back home. The Merchant Marine got them there, and it'll bring them back if you help. Right now, the Merchant Marine needs experienced mates, engineers, ABs, firemen, oiler, water tenders, and chief cooks. If you qualify, write or wire collect at once to Merchant Marine, Washington 25, D.C. Bring the boys home. Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure is written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Greek Interpreter. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. This is Harry Bartell saying goodnight for the Petri family. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studios. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Makes you feel nice and warm, doesn't it? You know, I, I love old radio dramas and just a lot of old things in, in particular. I'm, I'm just obsessed with it sometimes. <laughs> anyway, so... Let's shift some gears. I hope you enjoyed that, folks. And I actually got more of that coming at some point, too, and many other themes like that. But let's shift gears for a little bit, and I'm just going to get into the next song to build into the next topic and or uh, theme I'm going into. That being said, you know how AAS does this? I take twists and turns from every angle you can name, and yeah. So... We're just going to get into it. I'm going to be playing Love featuring Pharaoh Munch. And uh, obviously, this is Off the Shining, produced by Jay Dilla, the one and only. So I will be back with you in a second. We all soul music From your fitted to your like soul music It's cheese grits with filet of soul music This soul music sounds good, don't it? Yeah, I got a message that I might want to share with you To show that I'm hard To be the president and his government I vote for God And I know so how so way we all can make it One life, one love. 
music. Some inspire the soul when they write summer music. I choose to choose what I choose when I choose it. Put love in the music, cause we must be in love. And forever don't walk the talk, we gotta walk the walk, shit. We must be in love. From the coast of California all the way out to the shores of New York, shit. We must be in love. I know, somehow, some way, we all are making. We must be in love. I got dead lips, bitch, my son, go ahead and take shade. We must be in love. Hey, okay, I'm back. So, now that we got that out of our system, right? And you know, what a good song to play in good times like, in, in times like this, right? So, folks, there is a very special man out there. Very special man. His name is Dan Charnis. Last name is spelled C-H-A-R-N-A-S, okay? He just came out with a book, Dilla Time. The Life and Afterlife of Jay Dilla, the hip-hop producer who reinvented rhythm by Dan Charnis. Okay, folks, I'm going to be playing, well, I'm gathering my thoughts here. Okay, so first and foremost, Dan is the man. He's a very good person. And rather than me babble on and say much, I'm going to play an interview that we recorded together with another individual some time back, about, I'd say, three years ago now, two, three years ago, something to that extent. Anyway, rather than me talk about I'm going to let him get into the description about certain things. But moral story is this. The book is coming out February 1st, okay? Dilla fans, hip-hop heads, music lovers, musicians, you know, people who appreciate the art form of music out there and the history of music need to order this. That's all I'm going to say, okay? It's, Dan has worked hard, very hard on this book to get a lot out, and it would be great to help support, and trust me, you guys got a lot coming your way. Let's put it that way. So it is a must in your book collection, especially if you're an avid reader about music and everything else. It's a must. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. So where I am going to start this today, though, is... So this... Dilla's... Stay tuned more for Dilla's what's going on. But the actual shop front has been closed down for a while, as everyone knows. So I start this at a point where to kind of build into about 
the info about the book. So in short, it's a good description that Dan gives. For those who never had been to the shop before, it, you know, for those who had been, there was a special presence. And it's been, it's pretty close to actually to the, the date when we, we closed it a, a, a little bit back. So, you know, it's just kind of the way of, I guess, because Dan is such a good narrator and explainer that it's no one better than him to explain it and also to make you understand and hopefully entice you to buy his new novel. So that being said, um, let's just get straight into this. This is Dan Charnas' interview. As I said, this was a few years back, and I know you're going to enjoy this. So let's get into this, and I will be back with you in a second. My name is Dan Charnas. Uh, I'm an associate professor at the Clive Davis Institute at uh, Tisch New York University. Um, I'm the author of The Big Payback, The History of the Business of Hip Hop, and a co-author of the upcoming book, Dilla Time, How a Hip Hop Producer Reinvented Rhythm and Changed the Way Musicians Play. So, sometime in 2016, I'm walking through downtown Detroit, and I lay eyes on Dilla's Delights, this donut shop in the middle of downtown Detroit for the first time. And um, I got really emotional seeing it. Uh, you know, I had been, Detroit has been kind of a second home to me um, since I married my wife, who's a Detroit native. Uh, but the first time I ever came to Detroit was in 1999 to work with JD. I was uh, an A&R uh, guy and producer for Rick Rubin's record company, American Recordings, and Chino Excel was uh, an artist of mine, and um, I had managed to convince Chino to come all the way to Detroit to work with this kid, JD, and, uh, you know, that was really impactful for me and that was essentially my first you know my first encounter with Detroit and to see this shop enshrining him in the fabric of the city was really moving to me because a lot of American cities don't value their cultural product whether it's New Orleans or Memphis or Detroit it often takes cities a while to recognize uh, you know, their true genius. And it was great to see, you know, finally Detroit got a Motown museum in the 1980s. Um, Detroit has a small underground museum dedicated to techno. Um, and it was really moving to see, finally, a place in downtown Detroit that was dedicated to Dilla, who is in many ways one of the most influential musicians uh, to come out of this city, period, for a number of different reasons, um, you know, we can talk about. So, Dill's Delights is really important, and I walked in and I, I met Herman Hayes, who's uh, Dilla's uncle on his mother's side for the first time, and uh, just was amazed at how much love was in this small, triangular shop on the first floor of this, this old building, which I learned from Herm, was actually the first place that uh, James Yancey 
lived when he was a baby. His parents lived on the fourth floor. They ran a restaurant uh, on the first floor. Um, when Herm's shop was, uh, I guess, a, a small diner called the Corner Pocket. Um, and so there's a, a big Yancey Hayes family presence in this building that was the Milner Hotel and now is the Ashley. Um, many people have heard the stories of you know, James when he was very young, two years old, going out to Harmony Park uh, to spin records, you know, little, little 45s on his, dangling on his, on his forearms and a little Fisher-Price uh, record player. And Harmony Park is right outside the Ashley, right outside the, the Milner Hotel. So you're in a place um, that has a lot of significance for uh, the history of Jay Dilla. Um, so, yeah, you go into Dilla's Delights and there's just so much love and care that goes into everything that's there. Everything that's hanging on the wall has meaning and significance. Even the old uh, apartment numbers and keys uh, for, the, for the Yancey's old apartment are, are hanging there. Um, a t-shirt uh, that has been signed by hundreds of people um, dedicated to Fife. Um, there's a a piece on loan um, to the shop that is a basically a full map of the black neighborhood of Paradise Valley that was destroyed to build a lot of you know what is now the stadiums and the highways that are in downtown Detroit and you know Herm has taken a real interest in preserving that history um, just all the records, you know, every single record that's hanging on the wall there um, is something that uh, Dilla sampled or or influenced him in some way. And then there are the donuts, which are just every single one of them handmade. And as I got to know Herm better, I got to visit, you know, his bake shop where he makes these things overnight. Every single donut made by hand, every single flavor and and kind of donut so thoughtfully put together, um, all the ingredients, organic. So it's just, it's every bit as classy and perfect as you might expect a Dilla beat to be. Um, and what was so great about finally walking into this, this donut shop in 2016 when I believed it, it opened, or was it 2017? Yeah. One of the greatest things about finally walking into this donut shop is that one year later, I had the opportunity to teach a class on Dilla at NYU, and I brought 20 of my students to Detroit for the better part of a week. And uh, that donut shop became our base of operations, and we toured Detroit uh, you know, every morning from that donut shop, going out to the east side, going out to the west side, visiting the museums, talking to people, talking to, uh, you know, family of Jay Dilla, collaborators of Jay Dilla. Uh, it was really, really important. Um, and, you know, it's not always easy to run a business, period. And certainly not always easy to run a business in Detroit. Uh, Dilla often remarked that he got more love outside of Detroit than he did 
inside Detroit. You know, that he would go to New York or L.A., people on the street recognize him, and nobody <laughs> cared who he was in Detroit, according to him. Um, and I think, you know, for this donut shop, um, it doesn't always get the local love I think that it deserves. So um, what's really important about this shop is, you know, if you, if you happen to be in Detroit, stop in, buy a dozen, buy two dozen, but uh, buy a t-shirt, um, subscribe to the Dilla podcast, the Model Harmonics podcast. Um, all of it really helps to keep this institution alive and keep Jay Dilla's uh, name and figure resonating in the city of Detroit. It's really, really important. I'm telling you, this is a, it's a pilgrimage that every Dilla fan is going to want to make. And um, if, even if you can't make it, uh, you can support the shop and support this as a real landmark for the appreciation and the study of Jay Dilla. When I first came to Detroit to, you know, work with JD, it was a very quick experience. Um, you know, JD's a very shy, taciturn dude. Um, I had a chance to say, hey, you're my favorite producer. But even though he was, even then, I, I hadn't quite realized the level of genius that I was witnessing. It took me a few more years to really begin to understand how what he was doing, um, not just rhythmically, but all the kinds of different techniques that he was using on the MPC, um, you know, sort of as a master of the form. You know, Kareem Riggins has said that uh, J.D. mastered his instrument and his instrument was the drum machine. He truly, truly did. And I, it didn't quite dawn on me until I became, I left the music business and I became an author, and I was writing my first book, and I, I can only write to beats. I can't write to, you know, uh, people emceeing. It just distracts me. So I would just listen to Dilla Beats, and the more I listened, the more I just became floored by what he was able to do. Plus the fact, again, that there's just so much of this uh, inchoate love vibration in his beats. So the combination of me starting to uh, teach history, uh, teach pop music history, uh, and having a visceral sort of connection to Dilla and his beats, that became the genesis of the class and the book came as I began to teach 18, 19, 20 year olds, uh, you know, some of whom, you know, were very young or not even alive when Dilla was, you know, at his peak. And they would come to me and say, oh, we love, we love Jay Dilla. Like, how do you even know? So, and I really began to feel that Jay Dilla had essentially pioneered a kind of relationship to rhythm that was unique and puts him right in the echelon with the Coltrane's and the Monks and the Ellington's and James Brown. Uh, he's that important. So that's, that was the genesis of the class. And, uh, and then the class evolved into this book, Dilla Time, where we talk about um, not just uh, Dilla's relationship to music, but also Dilla's relationship to Detroit, Dilla's relationship to his family. It's all important to weave all of these strands together.
even James could probably not have fathomed just how important he became. I don't even think some of y'all know how important he is. Really? He's not just a beat maker. He's not just a beat maker. He is one of the greatest, uh, most influential musicians of the past, of the modern era. You know, like I said, he's up there with Coltrane, Monk, uh, James Brown, Ellington, Prince. Um, he's that important. He's that important. Why? Because listen to popular music. Listen to jazz. Why is everybody playing and producing like James Yancey? Think about it. Amazing, amazing interview. So, being that you're hearing this via audio and not uh, video, I had the pleasure, obviously, I mean, I recorded it, but seeing, you know, it's interesting when we see people's reactions, their eyes, their... You know, expressions are very interesting. But when Dan repeats himself towards the end there, he's, when he says he's not, he's not just a beat maker, right? He's not just a producer. It, he, you can hear it in the tone in his voice, the passion. Almost the testimonial value, so to speak, of, I'm going to say the truth because it is. Of his statement. But just the look in his eyes. Was such an inspiring. And amazing thing. You could see the. Emotion and feeling. At that moment. And I'm very thankful. To have. Been part of that process. So folks. Order the book. Okay, order the book. That being said, there's a few things I need to get other info so you know where to order it, of course. So the publishers are Macmillan Publishers, right? Now, go to www.dillatimebook.com. Once again, that's www.dillatimebook.com. Okay? When you go buy it, you have, I think, six ways on here to order it you can buy on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Book a Million, Bookshop, Bookshop, excuse me, Indiebound and Powells. And once again, this is coming out February 1st. So, and again, title of the book is Dilla Time: The Life and Afterlife of Jay Dilla, the hip-hop producer who reinvented rhythm. By the one and only Dan Charnis. Dan, thank you for letting me. I got I to gotta thank Dan for letting me be able to play parts of this interview to help promote the book and just in general for the experience. Uh, you're the man. <laughs> so that being said, though, folks, it. Uh, what more can I say at this point? I I really can't. So all I'm gonna say is order it. Okay. And get your fill of good information on this. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I don't know what I'm doing for for time, but I can feel that I'm probably running the clock down. So general info for at least how to contact me. I'll do that next show whenever I can. 
I need to kind of get out at this point, though. So, the outro song is track 33 off Dillatronic, obviously produced by the one and only Jay Dilla himself. Rest in beats, but, you know, spirit lives on, spirit lives on, right? That being said, folks, good way to take us out today. This is your man, Glass. Thank you for tuning in to another episode, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know you guys enjoyed it. And once again, order Dilla time. Order Dilla time. I'm, I can repeat that 50 more times if you want me to, but I'm not. Just do it, please, if you can. <laughs> Help support. Help support. Okay, so I'll catch you guys next time next way folks keep your heads up please be safe out there okay and till then one love glass signing out peace Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for the latest on Ruckus Avenue Radio.